0: Welcome to episode 95 of the Proper Mental Podcast. We're getting ever closer to the big 100. I'm very excited about that, I can't wait. But for now, this is episode 95, and my guest this week is Samuel Jack, who is a UK-based singer-songwriter. You might know, a couple of years ago, he went viral with a song called Feels Like Summer. It was absolutely everywhere. It just blew up. You'll definitely have seen it on people's reels or on TikTok and stuff like that. But everyone was using it. Famous people, celebrities, football players. It went massive. There was just something in the water that made it go wild. And that kind of like pushed Samuel up and into the mainstream. But before that happened, he was a working musician. He was trying to make it in the industry. And to supplement that, he worked in hospitality. And hospitality... If people don't know, it can be a brutal industry to work in. And it was a combination of late nights and long hours and a high pressure environment and a a certain culture around that industry balanced with writing songs and gigging and trying to make it as a musician. These things combined really affected Samuel and he experienced some problems with his mental health. And that's what we talk about in this episode. We talk about his journey into music. We talk about his work in hospitality and how these two things came sort of crashing together and how it really affected him, and then what he had to do about it, because he had a decision to make, because the music wasn't paying the bills, but the thing that was paying the bills was really affecting his mental health, and I think there's a lot of us in different ways have been in that position, where something that we feel we have to do affects us mentally, and it can be really difficult to make a, make a decision about how to do things differently, or take a back step from something that we need to do, or something that we love to do, really fascinating aspect of the conversation. We talk about how he got poorly and we talk about how he got well. We talk about therapy, we talk about self-care and lifestyle changes. We also talk a lot about music and his influences growing up. We talk about that song Feels Like Summer and what that's like to just go viral, to have something blow up to that extent. He's got a really cool story about how his uh, football WhatsApp group was blowing up because Sergio Ramos used it in a reel or something on Instagram and that really made me laugh that was a great story he's a really lovely bloke he's very open about this stuff he's a wonderful musician his songs are great he's got a song called In My Head that is specifically about his mental health struggles it's a beautiful piece of music I highly recommend you check that out check out everything else he's up to it was a real pleasure to speak to him I can't thank him enough for his time and for for coming on if you head to samueljackofficial.com you'll be able to see what he's up to tour dates and new releases and all that sort of stuff on instagram he is at samuel jack official and twitter is at samuel jack music go and check him out while you're checking stuff out check me out propermentalpodcast.com or at proper mental podcast and as always if you could review this episode or any other episodes it'd be very much appreciated like rate subscribe download tell your mates share it on social media anything you can do to spread the word is greatly appreciated and this is episode 95 of The Proper Mental Podcast with Samuel Jack. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. Let's go for a puzzle,
1: mate. We
0: go. Fantastic. So here we are with another episode of The Proper Mental Podcast and my guest this week is Samuel Jack. How are you, mate? Hello,
1: hello, hello! Thanks oh, mate,
0: me. yeah, nice to meet you, man. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, um, really appreciate your time. Um, I wanted to start, mate. I was thinking about where to where to jump in, and I was doing some reading for this conversation uh, yesterday, and I noticed that you spent a bit of time growing up in South Africa, really? and that particularly jumped out to me because so did I. And oh, really? Well, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. And you also mentioned um the Paul Simon Graceland um album, oh, yeah. which was yeah. a. Yeah. a, a a massive album for my youth. So I'm going to kind of like guess that we might've been there at a similar sort of time anyway. But right. um, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when was it you were, uh, you were over there,
1: mate? Uh, I was there at a very special time. Actually, I was there uh, 95, 96,
0: 97. Right. So I'd been and gone by then. We came back like 88, 89, something like that. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I was there go.
1: when, um, South Africa won the rugby world cup and it was kind of the end of, it was like the beginning of the rainbow state and the end of apartheid and, or the formal end of apartheid and things like that. So just a real momentous time for the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, phenomenal. Like, I mean, I was too young to really sort of appreciate that, but it, but it was for looking back it's mass. It's like, like a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of a lot of beauty in that country, and a lot of trouble that like South Africa has got. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we were there when they won the World Cup. You know, they made a movie about it. You know, it's called it's called Invictus or something like that. You know, yeah,
0: Matt Damon, isn't it? No. Yeah, that's it. it was a pretty
1: yeah. film. But regardless, I mean, it was it was that momentous. I mean, it was very sort of. Um, I was actually I actually watched the Rugby World Cup final in a tent um, full of like Zulus, actual Zulu like warrior tribesmen. Wow. Um, long story, but basically, I was on a film set and um, they were extras. They'd been hired to be extras, and it was the Rugby World Cup final day. I was in this massive tent. And I don't know, I mean, hundreds, like a couple of hundred of Zulus and me, <laughs> a 10-year-old was, <laughs> um, watching the Rugby World Cup final on a, on a little TV. And it was mad. I mean, you could really feel like um, it really felt like something was lifted from the country. You know, there's like, you know, the divided sort of, I mean, it was on the way out anyway, but it felt like it was a real defining moment. Like, it was really, really amazing. Yeah, yeah,
0: very much so. It's kind of like a, just, I suppose, just such a hopeful time, eh? And, you know, yeah, hope, hope with these, with these things uh, probably at times just seemed like there was none. Um, sure, and yeah. then all of a sudden, yeah, that, that great, great change. Yeah, like momentous, like you say. So what age were you there, mate, over, over there?
1: Uh, I think I was about, oh, I was 10, yeah. 10, 9, 10 yeah is that right God, i can't remember <laughs> <Is> That <laughs> long ago? yeah i think i was about that close
0: enough yeah and
1: i spent well I, spent, I was i think i went out there at 10 and came back at 13 i think
0: right yeah it's quite a formative time really but were you um were you making music for yourself at that point
1: i wasn't but that was when i was really sort of like discovering it i mean it was you know it wasn't till then that i started you know listening to music more intently you know Quite early, I suppose. I mean, I, I don't know many nine-year-olds to sit down with a record collection, you know. <laughs> um, and I would, and I, I was actually. It sounds bizarre, but I was actually fascinated by the by the the album covers. Um, both my mum and dad um, were, were they were separated even at, at that age. They were separated, but both of them were quite avid music listeners. And um my mum actually, well, and my dad both had, you know, a lot of space taken up in the house by records <laughs> like so like my mum for example i remember like she had this like oak really beautiful oak cabinet and it, it, then it was like cds and records and it was just full of cds and records and there's a little lad i'd you know look at this massive thing and and, and uh, you know open the two doors and sit there and just leaf through these you know look at these like, oh look at that so uh, you know carol king or james taylor or what you know read the read the inlay not really giving a sh- Oh, sorry for kind of say bad language, yeah, but yeah, no, you're, all good. you're yeah, all good. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, not really giving a shit, mate. If if um if it was a good music or not, I was like, oh, I like that cover, and I'd read about the because back in the day, you know, you'd have a lot of information in the inlay of a CD or a, or a record. I mean, there'd be stories in there, lyrics, you know, it's all the songs, you know. And I was just fascinated by what was written on these inlays. And it wasn't yeah. until, but then whilst I was in South Africa, it was it was then I started to listen to more music, you know. My dad was a big blues listener, um, listened to blues. And it did, I mean, that Graceland, Graceland album was was pretty much the soundtrack to My Time in South Africa. So my dad used to have it on repeat. I love that record a lot of it was, well, it was recorded all around the world, that record, I think, but a lot of it was informed by um, Africa, South Africa.
0: Yeah, um, yeah it's a big um, one from my childhood too it's like it's the soundtrack to um like long drives with a caravan in the summer and stuff like yeah, that. I mean, yeah that's, yeah yeah that's what it what it makes it's it.
1: amazing i mean and they've got obviously like lady smith Blackmore bazo they, they feature in it a couple of times i think and, and it's just amazing i mean you can taste it it tastes like africa that, that album it's just amazing yeah um but yeah and that was when between sort of 10 and 13 was when i started to you know sing along to music and i listen to understand trying to understand it and stuff for sure yeah
0: And was it much of a bridge to cross then for you to start kind of like writing and making your own music and just playing around
1: with it? Funny enough, a massive one. I mean, I didn't, um, there was some time from then before I even considered, I was a late, I mean, I was a late starter in the grand scheme of things. I didn't, I didn't sit down at a piano till I was 18, 19. Wow. So I went through my whole sort of school period. I was, you know, I used to love love music, but I never thought of, um, you know, making my own ever. Um, I was too busy chasing girls and playing football, you know, um, very sort of normal, normal lad, you know, I I, I, I was a keen sort of creative writer and, and I liked sort of poetry and, and, um, I tried to get involved in sort of, you know, the arts and creative stuff a bit, but I wasn't ever really, I guess it's surprising. I mean, a lot of my friends find it surprising that I ever went into music, you know, cause it just wasn't really what my, my thing was when I was a kid, you know? Um, I started working in a. Re- I was working in restaurants since I was about sixteen, and I sat down at a piano for the first time in a pub that I was working in. Um, yeah, when I was about seventeen, eighteen, and I sort of taught myself how to play it in between shifts oh. when when it was closed. There's a pub there, a piano there in the corner, a battered old thing, um, and I'd sort of sit and play it and noodle around, and you know, slowly but surely. I mean, I'm still, you know, in, in honesty, I'm not a, an amazing pianist now, um, but. I think that's probably because I'm self-taught and I've got really bad habits and stuff. And I I think if you were a piano teacher and you watched me play, it's you'd get, you know, the ick because I've just got, you know, I've got like old lady hands and I play it a bit differently to some people. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I played piano and uh, I taught myself there. And that's when I started to sort of like jot down the odd thing. And then I bought myself a little piano, which lived in my flat and I'd, and I'd write, start writing sort of my own music around that time after the shifts, you know, late at night and, you know, really thinking absolutely nothing of it. And then it sort of it was one of those organic things, so slowly developed from there. Then I only actually discovered I could sing because my, my uh, that same pub, we had a, we had a lock in. <laughs> we had a big lock in one night at this pub. And um, my best mate, um, Jim, he, he was working there with me at the time. And he's a really good piano player. And we had a lock in and he, um, he made me sing um, Light My Fire by the Doors. Okay. Um, yeah when we were all hammered, it was about maybe 10 or 15 of us in there. It was the first time I ever sang in public. I ever, I ever sung, I, you know. And he said, oh, you, you've got a pretty good voice, mate. You should, you should, you know. And then I started singing at home a bit. And, you know, it was really late. I mean, it happened quick. It was like, you know, i say from the ages of 17 to maybe 21, well, 17 to 20, it was like, suddenly I was a musician, you know, it was like, boom. And I was writing and I, I wanted to be out. I joined a band. I was in a, like a college or, like, you know, the equivalent of a college band. Um, and we did a bunch of gigs and we played at pubs. And that's how I got into the gigging, you know, playing out live scene. And, you know, I was just a part of music. But it was really strange. I mean, it was, it was like, yeah, it was cataclysmic. It was just like <laughs> one minute I was sort of cooking, cooking some food in a pub and, you know, playing football on the weekend. And the next minute it was like, okay, my whole life is now going to be this forever.
0: Yeah. 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 That's really cool, man. I, I kind of think like when you look back at the how, our relationship with music goes if when you go back to that era we're just talking about where it is cds and records and stuff it was kind of like life was quite tribal then right so you couldn't you couldn't be into two different sets of stuff so like the lads that went to my school who played a lot of football they weren't the same lads that were in bands and it was very you could look around your school and be like they're the skate yeah they're the indie kids they're the the rockers and you don't really have that now hey it's like you know you can have long hair and wear a tracksuit and have a skateboard you can do all these things yeah but- no you're
1: so 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 accurate there and I, and I often think I mean I was I was that guy though back then you know and that was people found it odd I was I think you know I played I played football and I was I you know I was a sort of I, I guess I consider myself as a sort of semi-liked guy I suppose that you know I, was, I wasn't uh you know one of the guys that was like the sporty cool guy or in the cool gang or or the indie guy or the musician I just liked a bit of everything and um yeah, I sort of I was a bit of a social butterfly on that front, but I sort of float around. But you're absolutely spot on. I remember thinking someone saying to me actually once, like, well, even even up to a few years ago I and mean, more recently, I'd still I still play football in my spare time It's my hobby, right? And um, you know, part of like local football teams and things and and. And I've I kept my sort of career almost secret, you know, I don't, they're like, oh, so what do you do then, mate? You know, when you join a team, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> not that I'm not proud of it, but you're like, oh, I'm in music, working in the music industry. And you're like, all oh, right, yeah, cool. You know, that's it, you know. But this even, even now, it's a very, very fascinating sort of social observation, actually, because you sort of, you think, well, if you're good at, if you're good at music, you know, or if, you know, if you're into music, you're good at music, then you can't be a good footballer. You can't, you, <laughs> you know, you, you know. But I'd like to think like Soccer Aid is the is the um, is a sort of anti that. But you know you know what I'm trying to say. It's, yeah, it doesn't go hand in hand, does it? And you know some of the it took a long time for some of the boys that I play football with or still play football with occasionally to sort of work out that I what I did, and then they found out about this song that I had called Feels Like Summer, which is like a, a viral global viral hit. You know, um, and they started you know like we got we had like a group got like a group chat and you know, i was be sitting there on the sofa and like this picture will come into the group chat and be like, Sam mate, I'm not being funny, but it's there Sergio Ramos playing your song on his Instagram <laughs> and I'd be like, Oh, I dunno, lads, so it must be some mistake, you know. <laughs>
0: oh mate, I suppose if like if it's surreal for you, then for your mates it must be like doubly surreal, right? Yeah, they it's don't like...
1: I don't think they quite understand it, but you know <laughs> Yeah. It's funny. It's...
0: Oh, mate. And were you in hospitality for a while while you were kind of like honing your craft for one I was, time? yeah.
1: I was a, I was a hospitality, what you'd, what you'd call a hospitality lifer. Yeah, I played, uh, played. I, I worked in lots and lots of hospitality in lots of different countries around the world um, and domestically. Well, you know, I did it at quite a high level for a period. Um, I was a sort of trained chef and I, I did um, a lot of front of house stuff as well. And I ran bars and restaurants and things. Um, but yeah, and no, I kept that going until, you know, as I'm sure you, you've heard a million times, you know, from artists and it, all cliches aside, it is it is a good way to subsidise what you really want to do because it's shift-based work, you know, so you can kind of you know, work around it, a bit more flexible, kind of, you know, when you, when you can. But it did um, have its, you know, the, the dark side to it. I mean, that was a lot of the... Um, the cocktail of, of working in hospitality and being a musician at the same time, you know, really <laughs> sort of was, wasn't was the best idea I've ever had it, for a long period. And I think that's what it was for me. It was a long, I did that for a long time before yeah. I could sort of, um, well, before I sort of got my, in layman's terms, I got my sort of break, I suppose, you know, before I could sort of step out of one and concentrate on the music, which I've been doing now for a, quite a long time. But yeah, I mean, there were, there were some, hard times for sure hard hard times I read in the paper once was in the independent there was like the top five um most stressful jobs in in like the world and it was like brain surgeon um uh it's like brain surgeon one of the services I can't remember what um chef and musician were all in the top five (laughs) I was like I was like oh I do I do two of them (laughs) <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> Suddenly
0: everything becomes clear right yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. now that now all makes now it all makes sense yeah i think it's such an important like part of the conversation though i think particularly with musicians because so many people like just arrive um almost like fully formed they come out of nowhere and i was talking about this with a mate the other day how certain people like kind of explode and then they try to make out as if they've just it's just I know. appeared yeah, and yeah. You, you know, and you think, well, hang on a minute. Either yeah, you've got a right. lot of help. Yeah. You're not telling anyone around or you're missing out a massive chunk of graft, you know, like this. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. yeah, And that is the thing. It's like, you know, I, I mean, you know, proudly from the, from the opposite, like, you know, I had to knock on a lot of doors. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had a, my fair share of luck and I've been uh, very lucky to have worked with I me mean, in the last, um, well, a few years now. I've my management I work with um, aside outside of a label uh, and label, in, in to a degree, are um, long-standing supporters of mine. You know, they're, they're brilliant. So I mean, I've been one of the lucky ones in the fact that I sort of I got that quite early, um, and it's really helped me. So don't get me wrong; it's not I haven't just like you know, it's not some sort of like you know Hollywood story at all, but. In terms of the graph I did to open that door, the first door was, you know, I'm, I'm proud I'm proud of what I did. That. I mean, I did it for 12 years, really. 10, yeah. 12 years, you know, like knocking on doors and, and doing obscene things. I mean, there were times when I'd, you know, I'd I'd fly back from doing a gig in Amsterdam and get off a plane in Bristol. I remember one time I got off a plane in Flynis Bristol Airport, got off a plane and I, and I got up, it was at like 5.40 in the morning or something I got there or something silly, 6am. And I got off the got off the plane um, and got on a bus and took the bus to a hotel where I was working to do a breakfast shift like that same day. You know, oh. work, the, work the breakfast shift, work the lunch shift, work through to like sort of midnight that night. And that was a whole cocktail of sort of, you know, I, I mean, there was a period where I really, really struggled. I mean, there's, you know, mental, mental health, you know, and, and things like that. I mean, it really, um, you ask any sort of a true, true hospitality worker and hospitality on it. I mean, there was charities for hospitality workers for mental health. There's one called the Burn Chef Project, actually, which is run by a mate of mine, um, which talks about mental health specifically for hospitality because it's just brutal. Like, top-end hospitality is brutal. Yeah. You, you wear it like a badge of honour. It's like, how many hours have you done this week? And you're like, well, I've done 125, you know. And you're like, you know, you whatever. But, 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 you know, particularly males, we sort of celebrate it in this bravado type way, you know, like, I mean, how's you done? You know, sixty. Psh, easy, you know? <laughs> That's
0: so true, isn't it? But, but, but so and true. I'm not
1: exaggerating about those numbers either. I mean, there are mm. times where I mean, you would literally work 15 hours a day, 15, 16 hours a day. Like, I mean, I can't mention any names, but I, you know, my last, the last sort of hospitality gig that I did um, before I stepped out completely was a, I did a two week stint in Monaco and uh, with quite a quite well known, <laughs> well known chef who's on the TV, right? And um, I tell you what, like. I, I remember I, all I'll say is I woke up one, one morning um, at 4am on a laundry basket, on a laundry pile of laundry at the back of a kitchen because we, we had an hour's sleep on a 24-hour period. Wow. We were catering for a bunch of yachts out there for, for the Grand Prix and um, we had about an hour an hour's to sleep, right? So we, I was having a little sort of kip in the kitchen and uh, I woke up to the sound of a grown man like crying, like sobbing himself, like sobbing sobbing himself to sleep, trying to, you know, and he left cause he just couldn't handle, the, couldn't handle the the work, you know.
0: Wow.
1: So imagine that, like, and then you chuck in like, you know, people calling you, I mean, that, God, it's, you can't write it. I mean, there were times where I'd be like working in quite a good, you know, well-established restaurant and I'd be on the, you know, on the, on the pass there, as you call it in a restaurant, you know, with the lights and the check grabber. and I was a pretty decent chef. I was like trained and, you know, I did it all my life. So I was, you know, I, I did it at quite a good level. Um, you know, I'd be running some kitchens, and like, the, the checks would be coming in, you know, like and it'd be like rum risotto, you know, and I'm there, like, I'm taking a check down, and I'm like, right, guys, you know, I'll order one chicken, rum risotto, you know, to follow one of this one, you know, let's go, all this kind of stuff. And then my, my, I had my phone up, you know, on the side next to the check grabber, and my phone would be popping up, and it'd be like my manager from LA, like, going, mate, you have to, like, <laughs> you have to send off those those uh, those vocal files tonight when you get back, otherwise I can't get it, you know, like, asking me to do stuff, or can you sign off on this, or like, you know and there was this moment where it all met and i was working like all guns blazing in hospitality and the music was just rising and rising and rising and ra- rising and i kind of needed to work in hospitality to pay well, pay my my way and to invest a bit of you know buy myself some time essentially and it just all came crumbling down i mean i you know i, mean, I hit i hit a wall big time on all fronts <laughs> and i you know looking back i um I think, oh, you idiot, Sam, you shouldn't have put yourself... You shouldn't have done that, you know, you should have... But when you're in it, you just don't see it, you know? Completely,
0: yes. Particularly if you're in, like, a, a high-pressure environment and you're all talking about how many hours you work in, well, that's completely normalised. You, yeah. you talk about those hours now looking back and you think, what on earth was that about? But when you're all doing it, then, it, it like, it's completely normalised, isn't it? And you don't even, yeah, don't even know, yeah. For were sure. you... um as, as things started to sort of, like, collapse for you, were you... Was it one of those kind of? Did you know something was happening, and it was kind of a case of I'll get round to doing something about it later, or were you just ploughing through it and just you know completely unaware?
1: I had the blinkers on so bad. I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I mean, a lot of I think there's a lot of examples of people continuing even though they know there's a problem. Um, But I didn't know there was a problem. I I was too. I was too. You know, blinkers on. I was on it. I was like, I I didn't care about anything other than trying to you know, succeed musically, you know, and that was it. It was like, get through the shift, you know, get through the day. If, if you've got to work 14 hours in the restaurant or 12, 10 hours in the restaurant or whatever, and then go home and record vocals and send them off or do this or whatever, or you know, then do it. Um, And I did, and I did, and I did. And my my sort of collapse happened pretty quick. I mean, I think, I guess you'd call it like a, a nervous breakdown, I suppose. And as much as I used to be very embarrassed about admitting that, and I'm not anymore. I don't, I really, honestly, I don't, I don't care.
0: Yeah. same here man I've, I've had two so I'm with
1: right, you right right yeah. and I, find <laughs> yeah. it, I find it very liberating talking about it now and like people you know normalising it and, and sort of you know just being open and honest about it but I had a, I had a big old breakdown and, and it, it was sort of my, I broke up with my, girl, my girlfriend at the time um, about a month prior to this and even that like sort of you know that's a bummer that's a different story but it's, you know it's a, rom- a romantic thing ended you know part, personally meant a lot to me It was that was one of the sacrifices that you sort of have to you know go through when you're a musician sometimes because you're not stable and anyway that relationship ended and it was about a month later and i remember getting back to my place where i was living and um it happening almost yeah you know, sort of instantaneously i remember just walking in there very late at night at sort of one o'clock in the morning or something i've been back from a shift and i smelt like grease and i'd sweaty, you and know, i slept my whites on you know and i was tired and you know I'd, a lot of lot of stuff on in my head i couldn't if i felt like i couldn't uh, organise it you know there's just so much in my mind to think about that I walked into the house and opened the door stood in the kitchen the lights were still off I remember and I just stood there and I, and I put my hand on the kitchen side and I just sat down on the kitchen floor and that was it and then I was hysterical I was off I was crying I was doing all sorts of stuff and you know like, <laughs> like I was an absolute mess I really was and um, if I'm honest and it, you know I, I don't I don't um, you know say these things lightly but You know, I I didn't want want to go. I didn't want to get up in the morning. I didn't want there to be another day. You know, now I don't think I ever would ever get to the point where I wanted to really hurt myself or anything like that, or sort of you know take my own life or anything. Um, Fortunately, because I think I'm just too, um, you know, I'm I'm too too mad about my family and and my friends. You know, I don't think I'd ever do that. But but it crossed my mind. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, there was a moment there. It was like, Oh, I could just love to not wake up tomorrow, you know, and it's almost like a flippant, I can't describe it. It was almost like a flippant thing to me. It wasn't like a, right then, how do we go about doing this? You know, it was more of, it wasn't, you know, a pragmatic approach to it. It was just a sort of, oh, I'd love to just, you know, not get up. Like, you yeah. know, it's bad when the alarm goes off and your first thought is God, not again, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. not, not again. I don't have to get up again. Like, you know, it's, I think it's just, I find it quite funny now, but, um,
0: it, it, you know what so much of like mental health issues when you look at them from a from out of context yeah. th- they are funny like I can laugh at all sorts of things I said the most bizarre things to my wife I behaved in the most just you think like how has that even got anything to do with anything you know when I look yeah, back now yeah. it does it does make me laugh it's almost like an of body experience you know like someone else was like controlling me
1: yeah
0: and, uh, but I was also half aware of it so there'd be part of my brain going that's a bit strong fella. What would you say that for? Yeah, and the other yeah. half of my brain was like, fuck you, I'm saying it anyway. You know, yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. uh, really, really strange, but kind of what you described there is so, um, so relatable. And I, I think that it, it's really common in modern life when we get to that point where you can't go back and you feel like you can't go forward. And it's being stuck in that place where the stress just like builds and builds and builds and builds. And then right. that's when we start looking for like, you know, different ways different ways out of it or just for just for it to stop you don't want life to stop you just want the feelings and the emotions and the stuff to stop and that yeah, yeah that's that that little thought that's how it starts isn't it It starts with that one thought like i don't want to do this anymore and then that that can that can turn you know that can turn 100 percent for sure
1: yeah. for sure it was a, i mean it was, it, was a, it was a weird time and i sort of for i'm honest it took me it took me a long time to get out of that spot it did but i but I, you know i do consider myself in some respects a, a, a a mental health survivor or, or, or you know I, I do feel like i come out of the other side of something and it you know you don't want to you know i don't throw that around because i know there's so many people that do suffer with their mental health and but for me it was just a matter of time it was it was it was patience and, and sort of that understand when i finally realized that the, the, after that moment I, i've just been speaking about that's that's when you realize that something's seriously wrong i mean you know i was I couldn't get out of bed, you know, and then and then, and then it was like, uh, you know, I remember when I did finally get out of bed after a bit of time. It was it was those it was those few days there that I it was like, right, okay, got to change, got to do something now. Not quite sure what it is, but and I I did all the kind of um, you know, things that you might expect someone someone to do if they were trying to you know make their mental health better. In that, I did go and find professional help. I went to go and, um, I, actually not for very long. I did about six sessions with a sort of a counselor, like a counselor, a psych, you know, a psychologist, um, who unpacked a bunch of stuff that would sort of help me out a little bit. And she gave me some sort of, um, sort of methods and things to do, to help me with coping with sort of daily stuff. And then I sort of changed, tried slowly changed my lifestyle. So things like being a chef, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, right? But being a chef, you don't really eat at the right times. And I put on a bunch of weight because I was eating late at night and you drink quite a lot. <laughs> like, you know, you do as a chef. I mean, it's, it's like the ultimate like rock and roll industry, which no one knows about this, of course. It like, used to be anyway. It's like the underbelly of hospitality is there's a lot of drugs and there's a lot of booze and there's a lot of hard, hard work.
0: Yeah. Well, you yeah. often, in anything where you have to keep going, you normally find that stuff has to fuel that keep going because yeah, you can't just keep going,
1: right? Perfect example of that is like, for example... When we, when I now, when you and I now go out to socialize, we go out to socialize after we finish work, whatever we do, we go and socialize, right? (laughs) In the evening and we go and socialize and then it gets, the end of the evening gets to like 11 o'clock and you go, okay, great, whatever. I've had a nice socialize, bye guys, and you go home, right? In hospitality, when you finish work at 10, say 10 o'clock at night, when everyone else is finishing socializing, if you don't socialise then at 10 o'clock at night, 11, 12, you know, go until and through, you know, to the wee hours, you just don't have a social life. Yeah. So what you find as chefs is, is that like you finish work on Friday night at 10.30 and you know for what well, you've got to be in, in top restaurants, you know, 6, 5.30, 6 in the morning to make the bread or to do the whatever it is, you know, you know, you've got, so sometimes you finish at 10, 11 o'clock at night and you know, you've got to go to work at 6 the next morning. You're like, well, I've got, I've got seven hours. And you go out and get hammered with your mates and have a good time, try and have as best time as you can, knowing that you're going to have two, three hours sleep. Because if you don't do it, there is no, you don't get a life. Like you just, you just get up, go to sleep, go to work, get up, go to sleep, go to work. There's no balance. I mean, fortunately, like you said, I mean, these things are starting to change now. I mean, hospitality is cottoning on to that. it's just, you it, it can't continuing, continue to operate like this. You just can't. Um, and a lot of the best restaurants now have a try and provide as much work life balance to their chefs as possible, which is really brilliant. But, unfortunately i never really got that i was at the rough end of it that like i really was at like the old school but um but yeah and i sort of came out of it and i had i had these sort of sessions therapy sessions and i sort of changed my they did things like change my diet and i tried to exercise a bit more and slowly but surely i sort of got a bit i don't know lighter i think is the best way to put it yeah. um and try to sort of i don't know Time is a time is a big big help on these things, but I think critically, and again, all cliches aside, it's like it's, it's you know if you know there's a problem, then you are winning, and that I, I sounds bizarre, but like I always I say to people that ask that ask me about it, I'm like if you know there's a problem, I've got to tell you, it's like the first thing, it's so good that you know there's a problem, you know, and and you know we we, we like you know I, I do think we sort of we, we talk about it more than we've ever talked about it as a society. I mean, I would say that I think, in fact, in some respects and this is controversial of me to say, I suppose, but uh, in some respects, I feel like the only one of the problems now is that mental, you know, people that have genuinely have mental health problems, like serious problems are being maybe a little bit undervalued by people that say they've got mental health problems, but don't actually have them. Yeah. Um, or, or might just be going through a bit of a bad time and they, and they, they, they sort of call it, uh, I've, got, I've got bad mental health problems. no no no, you're just having a bad time pal like
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and on top of that humans are the human experience is going to be challenging like if you're experiencing some sad emotions some hard emotions that's not necessarily a breakdown that's just being a human being that's like kind of part of the experience right and i know exactly what you mean mental health is now this term and we just throw it around and it's almost like a blanket and within that it's like we haven't got enough words to kind of separate what is just you know, like a, a, a challenging patch in life and what is something that is like serious and is going to get worse. And it, it, yeah. it does, it gets lost. I know exactly what you mean. And it's something that's come up on this podcast many, many times. Yeah, I know exactly what I, you
1: mean. I felt, uh, it, it, I mentioned, you know, I talk about mental health a bit in my music. Um, even though, I've got to say, even doing that, I was a little bit sort of, um, what's the word? Hesitant, I suppose, to, to sort of really, well, release those songs. I put them out into the world just because, even with the music, if I'm honest, like you, do, you hear a lot about like, you know, mental health. And I, I don't know whether it's, it just happened. Coincidentally, it happens that being in the music industry is bloody hard for your head. I mean, it is, it is it's a mess. I mean, it's, it truly is. I mean, the, up, the highs and lows are crazy. But you know, do musicians write about that because they, they genuinely have mental health problems? I mean, who am I to say? But at the same time, I, I did even think at the time, like, I've got a song called Gonna Be Alright which is you know, a, a successful song of mine um, really resonated with a lot of people, mega happy about that in the end. But before we released it, I did think oh, I don't want to, f- I don't want to f- feel like I'm jumping on some sort of train here, you know, getting on the train and like being like, all aboard the mental health express, you know? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> like and, and I just, I felt a bit dubious to do it, but I did it anyway. Cause it meant, it meant a lot to me. And obviously for me, I mean, you know, I know that it comes from a very genuine, authentic place, but, um, but no, I mean, I, you're, you're right. And it's, it's so, so true. I, I just feel like, you know, people that have truly suffered with mental health know the difference between having a bad week and suffering with something a lot more deep-rooted, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It must be really strange, like, making the decision whether to put it into your music because obviously you're going to write about, um, you know, what you feel. That's evident in, in the stuff that, that you put out, you know? It's all about your your emotions it's very emotive stuff but yeah this sort of i don't know i always think of mental health it's very important to talk about it but it's not as easy to talk about it and just because you're supposed to talk about it doesn't mean you should talk about it all the time because that can kind of fuck you up too right yeah. so if you've got to put that you want to write about what your human experience but at the same time it's also your experience and you're like putting it out there man and once it's out there you kind of don't know what it's going to do and i always think that must be for any sort of artist or creative that must be such a, a strange space to be in. Am I making sense with that, mate? Is yeah. That
1: yeah. percent, I mean, You never really know the song sort of takes on a life of its own after it's been released just because in really, in terms of how it's received and how people digest it and, you know, and then, you know, your, how you feel as an artist on, on, on the reaction to your songs. Yeah. But I mean, music's done some amazing, amazing things to me on that front in, in a positive way. Um it really helped me out with a bunch of sort of family stuff. Like I, um, you know, I had a song called witness. Well, you know, I have a writer. Actually, that's not true. In short the story goes, that I wrote a song called mom. I don't know better. And it was about my mum um, who, who left when I was quite young. Um, you know, it's about, about my relationship with my mother, um, which wasn't, um, scathing or anything, but it was just a honest account of how I felt about not having my mum around. Um, and because of because I wrote that song, my brothers on on my mum's side, you know, got really upset with me. I like, how could you write that about you know, mum? Like, she's you know, she's she's an old woman now. You can't write these things. You know, you've got to be you've got to be nice to her. Um, and so I responded to that by writing a song about them called Witness. <laughs> and um, and but anyway, the moral of the story was is that because I wrote these songs and I was unpacking this stuff, like going through things like mental health and my relationship, with my parents and things like that. Of you know, mastering my own universe, as it were, via song, I um, it opened up a conversation, you know, uh, and and um, we started talking about it. Me and my me and my brothers were talking about it. Why did did you put this? Why did you say that? It's like, well, I said this because I, I felt I felt like this, and you know, and it sort of, sort of struck me as actually a really cathartic and, and really sort of wholesome thing in in the, in the end. You know, it was an, and we had this sort of chat about it, and it was like, well, I felt like this, and you know, you didn't have to go through that, and you didn't, we didn't, and blah blah blah. And now, incidentally, I mean, my relationship with my mum is the best it's ever been. You know, in the last sort of ten years, it's been we've been really, really strong. Even though there was a big sort of absence for many, many years between me and my mum. but um, you know, she's like my best mate now. You know, yeah. Uh, and and a lot of these songs, I think, have helped to get there. Yeah. Um, and to say about, exactly the same with, with going back to the mental health is exactly the same thing. You know, for me, writing about mental health, I've got another song called "In My Head," which is about which is about exactly about in my, in, you know mental health. And, and those and, and you know those are the ones that resonate the most with people yeah. i find that a lot
0: yeah i always say that you know struggling with any sort of mental mental health mental illness mental disturbance whatever you want to call it is an incredibly human experience you know it's like it is it's kind of a lot of normal Um, Feelings, thoughts, and emotions—they're just on steroids. They're just like blasted out, and you can't quite understand them. And then when someone else talks about them or sings about them, you see yourself in it. Regardless of, you know, my experience is is going to be completely different to yours. But when I hear you talk about your experience, I can hear my experience in there too, right? Because it's just the same emotions—they're just coming out in different in different ways. And that's the that's the beauty of of sharing it and being able to share it through music. I think adds a certain like a different dimension as well. You know, I think that's, um, it's a really, really powerful thing. Do you, when you, if you write a, like a really emotional song or something that's really right like, personal, does it come to a point where you've got to kind of like give that away and cut away from it? Because you've then got to, you know, you write a song about your mom, a highly emotional song, but then you've got to go on tour, right? And you've got to go and sing it every night.
1: Yeah. I mean, that,
0: does that become weird?
1: It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I mean, in short, yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it, you, you, you you develop, it's odd, I can't really explain it, Um, but you sort of, once you've written the song and it's sort of pressed and it's, it's out in the world and you've released it and it's, it sort of exists, right, not only do your fans, like, have a relationship with that song, but you do as well, right, you, your relationship can change, you know, artists' relationship changes with their songs quite often, I think, like, you know, for example, if I've, I've been playing, there's a song on my set called Surrender, which I've been playing for the last three years, you know, like a lot. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, it used to mean, it used to be about a certain situation with a certain person um, and now means something completely different to me it, when I sing it you, know, it. you know, that's the best way to put it, I suppose. But um, no, for sure. I mean, for, there's, there's definitely um, uh, moving parts, emotional moving parts when it comes to that sort of thing, you know. Um, no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, sure. So, like, after you finished your um, therapy sessions and you started to make changes in your life, was that was the first thing to do to kind of like pull? Did you just walk away from chefing, or did you just slowly, you know, decrease it, or how did you start it, to exactly put that? Yeah,
1: exactly that. I I, um, I slowed it down and I basically sacrificed the money um, for more free time, um, and that was the first thing I did. Um, and like I said, I mean, I, I was I was lucky in that. On the music front, sort of professionally, I was supported by these these guys from America. Um, my management guys are based out in Los Angeles, and and they've always been sort of big believers. in me. and, and we you know we've obviously become very close because we worked together for a long time now. Um, and they they sort of knew that I was going through this stuff, you know, and they sort of you know helped me out a bit. And one of my best mate, who was now one of my best mates, in a chap called Owen, who's also my manager. Um, I remember at the time, he, he, said, he said to me, he's like, you should write music, you know, just, just write more music and the rest will fall into place. He's like, you know, they were like, we believe in, we believe in your talent, we believe in you, you know, just write the music and the rest will fall into place. Like, you know, if you love doing the music, do more of the music and do less of the restaurant, don't worry about the money, you know. And Owen's very pragmatic, he thinks very pragmatically. He's not the most emotional guy in the world, but he, you know, he, he's, he's very driven and very inspiring guy. And so um, yeah, Lily, his, his partner as well. He's one of my best mates. And um, anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of slowed the restaurant down, started writing more music. And I was still working in the restaurant. You, know, you got to pay your bills. And then there was just a, you know, slowly but surely, it, it got to the point where the demand on the music, and the, even though the money wasn't really there, but the demand on the music was so high that it was just worth the risk. Yeah. And I just did the whole, like my stepmom always says, it's like sometimes you've got to chuck things up in the air and just see where they land, you know. And uh, I sort of basically did that. I was like, right, I'm just going to do music, and if I have to go to restaurants, I'll, I'll temp work. You know, if it gets if it gets dodgy, um, and I was temping, and I was flying out to America recording. I was going, I was touring around Europe, and then I was coming back from my tours, and then doing like a week of, in a restaurant if I had to. Um, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't. You know, it was very sort of I lived week to week, um, and then yeah, I mean, and then I, I mean, I signed I signed to an independent label in Los Angeles. Um, we did a record together that was received all, you know, pretty well. And that helped, help my sort of live front, picked up from there. Then, then it was like, I was only working in a restaurant once a month for a few days, so I had to, to get a few extra quid in and so on and so forth really. And then obviously, you know, the success of feels like summer was, well, it was a crazy time for me that cause it was, well, it was about 14, 15 months ago. I mean, I released it in 2019, but you know, 14, 15 months ago in the space of 72 hours, um, feels like summer you know, was a global phenomena in terms of its virality and actually lost lost um, Sadly lost my father in those three days. Oh, mate. Space, space of like, of, of like literally 72 hours. So I was sort of like, I was like, oh, whatever it was, you know, there or thereabouts, so I sort of lost dads. And then was also, um, you know, talking to every single major record label on the planet, <laughs> like <laughs> in the space of a few days and like every single one of them, you know, that you know, you could have possibly imagined all wanted to talk to me and my team about, you know, signing because of the song. And, uh, that was a weird time. You know, that was a weird time. I had mm-hmm. a bit of a wobble then actually, I've got to say, I mean, it's, and that was probably the first time I had a bit of a wobble because I, since, since I, I, I was really suffering with mental health stuff, I had a bit of a wobble then, but you know, I think you, know, you learn how to get through these things and I'm, I'm, I'm capable of dealing with it all now. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy couple of months there, it really was, but, but you know, out the other end, fine.
0: Yeah, I think when, like, when someone's been poorly, and I experienced this myself, when you kind of, like, um, I stepped back from the world at the time off work, I you know, I just stayed in and, and I healed and I did all the things. And then when you step back out, everything's kind of the same. And it's a bit like being like Bambi on ice, you know, cause it's like I've, this really fragile version of me is stepping out into the world. That's not going to slow down for me. It's not going to go easy for me. And that, and you know, a lot of people can always be, and I did this myself. I was always second guessing myself. It was like, Oh, I don't feel great today. Am I going to go backwards? Am I going to go back to that place? It was always a worry that just a bad day was actually going to be like another horrible experience. And yeah. like, I suppose, like, of course you had a, a little blip then, right? Because you don't get the opportunity to just, back into life when your song is just blowing up around the world that's not that's a different level of uh jumping Um, back onto a moving bike or something
1: like i mean the highs and the lows at that time were crazy was like we you know i was organizing my dad's funeral and then getting on a zoom call to to the head of you know warner brother records or universal record polydor or whoever it was you know like you you, every all of them (laughs) and you're like I, i i'm not sure i can handle this you know um, but my, you know, like I said, my the guys around me, very lucky. The, 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 my team, you know, like, I hate saying that, it makes me feel like a right wanker, but yeah, my, 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 my team, like, it, it was just really great at the time. They were really awesome. And they were like, okay, cool, we'll deal with this, we'll deal with that. And a lot of the sort of business side was being done behind the scenes. And I didn't have to worry about it. So I did get a, bit, a good amount of time to sort of grieve and plan and be with my family and stuff when we lost Dad. Um, but at the same time, I know full well that my dad would be like, "Listen, <laughs> get your deal done." Like even working for this for a long time, like get it done, you know. Um, and I felt a great comfort in that because I knew yeah. that I didn't feel guilt for, for doing trying to do business around that time because it was so big for me, you know. Well, kind of big for me. It was, you know, you know what I mean. It was, it was. A big, yeah, definitely. Like, was well, well, you know, had to be part of, you know.
0: Yeah, it only kind of comes knocking in that way once, right? That's that's yeah that's the thing yeah yeah, yeah very much so yeah, yeah once it all died down on the other side did you kind of get an opportunity to like right breathe what's next what are we going to do with this uh this tidal wave like,
1: yeah yeah i did and I, I moved to moved to london from i was living in the southwest of england at the time i moved to london for for um you know i was there for six months i rented a little flat and i was in and amongst it taking meetings and doing stuff and sort of i can't everything sort of calmed down a bit and i got into a bit more of a groove um And listen, I mean, you know, it sounds very glamorous doing a record deal. It's 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 never it's never as glamorous as it looks, and it it, it certainly aren't. They certainly aren't the longest and um, you know most. It's not necessarily a game changer for me uh, doing a record deal. I mean, a lot of people have record deals and do nothing, you know. Mm. Um, But it was just a it was an exciting moment for me and my guys that've been working together for so long, and we had a great moment with it, and we did well out of the song, and it was you know. It was it was a load of fun and and yeah, like you say, I mean after the sort of dust settled, then I started to really enjoy it. You know, sort of four four or five months later, I was living in London in a flat. Um, it's a little little place I was renting, and I was kind of I sort of come to terms with losing dad. You know, we'd, we'd done we'd done the funeral and all that kind of things, and and it, uh, you know, I was clo- closing the lid on it. To, you know, pardon the pun, you know what I mean. And um, I, I started to feel better. I started to really engage again, and you know, and really engage with with the songs doing well and it's like, oh, I can, you know, I can some music now and life feels really nice. It feels really good. And, and I think I've sort of carried that on. I mean, since, I mean, that was sort of 14, 15 months ago, I guess. And now um, fast forward that amount of time and I'm, I'm good. You know, it's been a couple of years, two, you know, two or three years since I've ever, I've really, really sort of struggled with, you know, I, I was struggling with mental health. I've sort of moved forward from it. And, it, and it, incidentally, I think it's important to say but I feel I don't feel like my um, sort of beating of mental health problems was due to uh, success in career. And I think people uh, – what I mean by that is I think a lot of people, uh, you know, sort of go, you know, I, I'm suffering from mental health problems because things aren't going right for me. And then when things are going great for me, then you don't have mental – it doesn't work like that. Mental health problems, are they're around – you can be a multimillionaire and have mental health problems. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, really you can have what is seemingly the perfect life and still really, really, really suffering, you know. And, and, you know, some of the people that really suffer the worst are the people that are smiley and happy on the outside, you know. Um, yeah. But what I was getting at really is in a nutshell, it's been a couple of years now since I've I've gone through a lot in this short space of time. And now I'm just in this really nice spot. And I'm I tell you, I'm enjoying every second of it. You know, I'm just... You know, I, I, I don't know what, what I'm doing half the time mate to be honest with you I'm just writing music and hoping that I can pay my rent like, <laughs> but um, I'm doing gigs I'm going on tours and, and things and, and you know I'm, I'm, I don't know what's around the corner who knows but I, what I do know is that I'm after going through two years of craziness and, 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 and suffering a bit and, and whatever you know you, people not just me but people come out the other side eventually you know there, yeah. there, there is a time it is a possible that's what, that's what I mean you know and a lot of I think it's because of my music, but a lot of people talk to me about mental health and I always always do say that it is, you must remember that it is possible. It is, you know, a lot of people I think are in the thinking that, you know, you'll always suffer with mental health problems. And I think to a degree, sometimes it's more about how you manage them. And yes, I do understand. It's a bit like grief, you know, it never really goes away. It's about how you manage it. I I do get that to a degree, but, you know, there is a part of me that does feel that it is possible to completely remove these things and to really reset the way that you operate. All right, what do you think
0: i mean uh, yeah I'm, I'm with you there hundred percent I'm with you there hundred percent well I think obviously everyone's experience is different right and I think yeah, there true. will there will be some people that yes that's something that they have to kind of be aware of um but then there will also be that's the thing with mental health isn't it sometimes it is just one massive blip and then that's it you know and I yeah. think a lot of it is the approach to healing you know so like from your story there you you went to therapy you embraced the techniques you made changes in your life so that's going to have massive changes to how your mental health is but i think that healing process is quite challenging and and like in the modern world we talk about self-care and self-care is great it's great to look after yourself but if you're like if you're having a breakdown and you're on the kitchen floor in bits well then going for a run and a cold shower is going to do niche you know like it's just no it's no thing and i think like sometimes we can kind of make our feels selves feel better on the surface and tick along like that. And then we always have to be aware of maybe getting ill again. Sometimes you just have to kind of dig a bit deeper and do that. 100%. Healing, you know? I
1: always use the analogy. It's like, um, that like you can wash the outside of a car and make it look nice, but you have to look after the engine. Do you know what I mean? And it's so true, isn't it? It's like, I mean, I, I, I you know, my, my actual physical health suffered over that period, you know, back then badly i mean i put on loads of weight i was really unhealthy you know i was eating bad drinking a lot you know and smoking shit tons of cigarettes you know and just i was just a mess mate like, i really was And um and going to the gym and stuff is brilliant i mean it is brilliant you know it's no no doubt about it it does help uh on the out. i mean you know it helps a bit of the inside but mainly it's on the outside you know you sort of gone to the gym and like you know your route you know they say they put a routine in and all this kind of stuff which i did and it did help and it's all good but but you know the, the nitty gritty like the, the really bit you really really need to fix is deep buried down on the middle you know which is your engine and it, you know that's the bit you would need to really get in and fix and and that's the bit that took me the longest the, the, you know so, uh, so I guess you know I was cleaning the car regularly every sunday you know giving it a good old wash and it was getting it was looking nicer and nicer and everything was, was all going good but i think you know what really took the time was getting under the bonnet and and, and you know fixing the important stuff I think
0: Mate, it's a beautiful way to beautiful way to see it. I I kind of I would get out of fixing the engine by cleaning the car. Like that was my excuse yeah, not I to bother it, popping it, yeah, the yeah. hood, right? I could yeah. distract myself. And it's similar to what you mentioned before about being successful. So people think, oh, when I'm successful in whatever I want to do, I'm gonna make it. Well, success is a fantastic fucking distraction, you know? So yeah, yeah. You know, you can be busy all day building on your career, but you're not addressing that thing that's you know, and it's it will it'll bubble up. That's how I know how we yeah. how we work. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, what's going on at the moment, Samuel? What's um, what's the plan? You got a tour coming up, is it later in the year? Is that right? Yeah, dates coming up.
1: First week of October. I'm doing a short uh, short run in the UK. Um, so it's only five dates across the UK. Um, tickets on sale, and I'm doing um, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna have some special guests. Um we're gonna do some shows a bit more stripped and acoustic, and some like, massive ones, all singing or dancing. Um, and then I'm working towards. Well, I haven't told anyone this, actually. This is exclusive news. Oh, mate. Um, I'm working towards an album release at the top 10 of the year. Um, there's going to be plenty more between now and then, but I'm, I'm working towards an album release. I'm off to um, America in November, December on a writing trip to do that album. Going to Nashville and LA, um, which would be great. And then back here for the turn of the year and then i'll probably be doing some european dates to coincide with the release of an album i think hopefully fingers crossed i mean don't get me wrong a lot of stuff can change in this industry yeah <laughs> I yeah might, i might be you know back in the kitchen next week who knows right? <laughs> fingers <laughs> crossed but um but yeah busy 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 writing creating i'm trying to get on the trying to up my game a little bit on the content front which i'm a bit social media you know I'm not the best at.
0: Yeah, well, that's a that's an interesting point, actually. Before I let you go, mate, what is your relationship with social media? Because oh, that comes up a lot in the mental health conversation.
1: It is, and you know, do you know what? I think it's. Um, I mean, I, you know, got murdered for saying this by by label people, but uh, I'm not a fan of social media. I'm not even remotely. I, mean, I mean, I'm, I'm truly. Uh, if, if I wasn't a musician, I, I highly doubt that I'd have a social media account, and if I did, I'd probably have. You know the, the dinosaur that is now Facebook and suddenly send occasionally send a message to my second cousin in you know in Austria. Do you know what I mean? It's this that sort of thing. And like you know, and it, it reminds me of people's birthdays. And like, oh, brilliant, thank you, Facebook. But um, if I wasn't a musician, I it wouldn't be on social media. Other than that, I don't think. I just find it. I mean, being a musician, it's all consuming. I mean, it's all consuming. Like I, I have to be on social media all the time. I mean now i mean it's like, oh god you could open up a can of worms here but um it, you know in short like now for example the new platform is tiktok right yeah in the, in the music world and um you know you're essentially told as a musician now by your label or by major labels particularly um you know you're not relevant if you're not massive on tiktok uh, you know there are some theories out there that say that you have to post four videos a day on tiktok four videos a day all right? you know um let alone maintain your Instagram, your bloody this, that, and the other, your Snapchat, your Facebook, your Twitter, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I think as a, as, a, as a punter, as a human being, I think social media is obviously, and it's quite getting more and more obvious, I think as time goes on, a huge reason for anxiety and mental health problems. I mean, like, without question. I mean, it's, you know, it's not just in young girls, as people talk about, I'm talking about everyone. Because I, mm-hmm. I get it. I You know, I, I, you know, I sit there... But the other day, I pulled into my driveway in a car and I went to check a message. My phone went off. I was sitting in the car and my house is there, like my little house is just there. And my phone went off. And I was sitting in the car, notification came up, and I've sort of opened up. It was like Instagram or something, or TikTok or whatever it was. So I went to check it just quickly. I don't know why. Uh, and 15 minutes later, I was still sat in a car and I sort of literally woke up, you know, my head up. I, was like, God, I said to myself, I was like, what are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, get out of your car. This is it's <laughs> turning into like something like iRobot robot or something. This is. I mean, this is getting creepy. Like, you know, and we're we're all so addicted to these things. the majority of us. You know, a lot mm. of us. I mean, it's literally you are just staring at your phone all to, all the time. It's like look up, go outside. But I feel when I scroll through these things, subconsciously, I, I think I probably get a bit stressed and a bit anxious because you do see, like, I mean, for me, it's like and I don't. This is very, very honest to me. But for me, it's like um health stuff, like we're just thrown like these like Greek God looking men and women in our face the whole time. And, you know, I go to the gym and stuff and and whatever now, but like, you know, I'm quite insecure about like a a thing, a few things, you know, the way I look and stuff and, and, you know, going to the gym helps that, but, but like, you know, I'm quite insecure about a few of those physical things. Mm. Um, Not for any particular reason. It's just a mental thing, but you know, um, and see, I think, so I swear, subconsciously seeing that all the time. It's like, you know, you should look like this and you should talk like this and wear this and do that and listen to this. And it's just so in your face, isn't it? But of course, for me, the problem is, is that on the flip side of all of this, it is absolutely crucial to my survival as an artist. Yeah. And it's the best way to engage in people. And it's, the, and it's the, how I've built my career. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're sort of like, I don't know, it's this really weird labour of love, you know. Um, I mean... I would say I would certainly say I I love I love um, engaging with an audience on social media like it is a great way to engage like you know I've got like a little family really or, you know on on like Instagram and stuff like that community and, and that is lovely and it's really nice but sometimes like just I'm mean, talking as a human rather than a musician you know I'm just like oh god not another one I don't want to do a TikTok video don't make me do it like I don't you know but you have to like and but do you i don't know you know it's a different sort of question is it it's a, it's, a, it's a business is it business question i don't know I don't
0: know. yeah it's just complicated isn't it it's just really murky waters i always say like social media is a bit like jurassic park right we spent so much time thinking if we could we didn't stop to think if we should like, <laughs> Yeah, they, yeah right. you know like that's it's kind of it came with no rules and we've all just decided to use it in this way and it's yeah. just like it's just shit show but like you say we're kind of like to some extent if you want people to if i want people to listen to my podcast i've got to show up on instagram and i don't like showing up on instagram i also don't like being doing doing what i'm told so i don't like the fact that i have to that also pisses me yeah, off so Well
1: that's the thing the most for yeah. sure, it's sure like it's like you have to do this to then be re- be relevant so no no no, yeah. no 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 i don't actually <laughs> no,
0: i don't but, but yeah. i kind of also do a it <laughs>
1: But as as he says, going, scuttling off to make four TikTok videos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's it, man. But there you go. I suppose that is the, uh, that's the modern world, right? And I think the way I do it for myself is that as long as I'm creating more than I'm consuming, then I kind of keep it ticking over. You know, like if, right. like you said, as long as I'm not lost for hours on end, just fucking looking at shit. Because as soon as you, you jump out the car after 15 minutes and someone goes, what were you looking at? You've got no idea. you have got no idea,
1: no, no, <laughs> got no know, idea I mean,
0: and I feel like shit. I've uh, you know,
1: watching a dog ride a skateboard and, in, in, you know, <laughs> or, or something, you
0: know. Yeah, but, you, pig,
1: you know. Me go surfing or whatever, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's no, it. I say
0: that. Yeah, I mean, this just popped in, into my head and I am conscious of your time, Samuel, but what no, do no, you right. think about... um Phones at gigs, man, because a lot of people like Radiohead and Jack White and stuff are doing like put your phones in them little yeah. bags, eh? so you can't get your phones out. Does that? Does I, love,
1: it... I love to say that I was big enough artist to be able to tell people to put their phones away, <laughs> but no, I get it. I mean, I, I completely understand. There is this whole thing about being in the moment, and that's kind of what I'm saying about look up, like go outside, so like put your phone down, just go and see see this beautiful world that we live in because it's a lovely fucking place, you know. um But no, I think you know, unfortunately at my shows they're not quite of a size yet where in fact i probably need them to put their phones up so they can record it and put it on their social media <laughs> actually, yeah you know. yeah it
0: can be one of the four but, TikToks, but again
1: yeah. as, a, as a you know business aside and sort of musicianship aside and you know career aside as a human yeah i mean watch the gig yeah there. you know you don't have to I've, I've been to shows as a as a punter and just been like this trying to look around you know trying to dodge and look around the the audience over the audience because they've all got their phones up in the air
0: yeah, they're,
1: yeah. They're literally, literally, there are some guys, that, some girls, some there were some girls there that were so they were short, you know, quite short, so they couldn't see over the people in the front. So they were just what, you know, had their phones up and they were just recording it and just trying to get a bit here, and they're perfectly happy with that. Yeah. I'm like hell no, like we get in there and you know remember, yeah, it, yeah, you know? strange,
0: strange thing, ah, huh? strange how it's gone, mate. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to oh, chat, on. man. I really enjoyed pleasure it. You, and, um, yeah, best of luck with everything, and um, yeah, take care, man. I, I hope it continues to to go the way it's going.
1: Of course, awesome, mate. Thank
0: you so much for having me. No awesome. worries, dudes. Take care, bro. Take care. All right. A <laughs> big up to the proper mental podcast. Podcast. A proper mental podcast proper mental podcast